All right, so we're continuing in our book of Ephesians. You know, uh, Pastor Todd spoke about our tremendous spiritual inheritance. In week two, he, he talked about the blessing of prayer. And in week three, he spoke about, does it really make a difference living a saved life versus a lost life? And uh, in week four, Pastor Brandon talked about Paul's picture of the church. Today we'll be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can follow along. And if not, it'll be up on the screen. And th so this morning we're in week 5. And the title of the message is, message is The Mission and the Mystery. You see, I believe that we are all, in certain areas of our life, we come across mysteries. Amen? Mysteries that can become a mission if we if we get the right mindset about what God wants to do in our lives. There are some things that we will walk through that we do not understand. That is why it is a mystery. Paul was one of the great stewards of mysteries. He actually got the mystery, which is my favorite mystery, on the rapture of the church. He also spoke about how the Jews and Gentiles would come together and form one new man. And we've talked about that in the beginning of Ephesians. Paul would be so excited that he would come out of the gate and write his first letter, which was Thessalonians, which is mentioned in, in all chapters about the rapture. Let's look at when we get how Paul got these mysteries. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, I'm going to read it to you. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, Paul spent some three years in the desert of Arabia in which he he spoke with Jesus. I mean, three years hanging out with Jesus. That's amazing. And we got to understand that Paul was not walking with the disciples while Jesus was on this earth. Now, Paul was one of the dominant figures in the New Testament, having written approximately 13 of the 27 books. But I want to bring it back to Paul was walking in a mystery that he would have to display, that he would have to live out. And many of us may be in a mystery right now. But I want to encourage you. The mystery can work the mission. The mystery can work the mission. What you are going through can work the mission that is set before you. See, some mysteries that you walk through will be the very perspective and answer that someone else will need. How can someone riddled with cancer get up and glorify God and make your spirit come alive out of a dead sleep? It's a mystery. How can you go through the most gut-wrenching situations in your life and still smile? I can tell you why, because the glory of God is shining on your face. Paul would have to live out these repercussions of the mystery of Jew and Gentile because they were hostile towards Paul. There was a great wall of separation that kept the Jewish people and the Gentiles separate in the temple. It was a man-made barrier. Gentiles were only permitted into a certain space and, and they couldn't be around the sacred furniture. I want to show you a picture. This is an inscription that they found on a, on a plaque that was in the second temple. Can you read that? You know what it says? Probably not. I want to read it to you. It says, no foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. I mean, Paul saw this. <laughs> Think about it. You're, you're looking at something that was in the actual temple that would have meant sure death. Now, have you ever been a victim of assumption? You know, somebody assumed something and wasn't true. Let me read something to you in Acts 21, 27 through 29. It says, And seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him yelling, Men of Israel, help us. 
This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles the holy place by bringing in Gentiles. But then it says this, for earlier the day they had seen him in the city with Trumpius, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. So Paul would be faced with injustice. Now think about this. This is another picture I want to show you. This picture is the actual place in Israel, in Caesarea, where Paul would have stood trial. They know because they unearthed it and saw that these were the ruins of where the courtroom would have been. Now, if you remember in the book of Acts, Felix heard the case and found nothing to charge Paul with, but he didn't have much of a backbone. He didn't want to rile up the people. So he put Paul in jail, hoping that someone would come and bail him out. So he spent two years in jail for nothing. But then Festus came, who had a backbone, heard the story again, and released Paul. Now, Paul, that brings us to our first point. This would not be the last of Paul's imprisonments. He would be in prison for a total of five to six years, two in Caesarea and the rest in Rome. But Paul would say this in Ephesians 3.1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. See, he was not a prisoner of the circumstance caused by the mystery. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, are you a prisoner of your circumstance, assumption? Are you a, a prisoner of something that someone has put on you? Because I can assure you, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ having your back, you are never a prisoner of a circumstance. You are always a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul knew he belonged to Christ. He knew the mission was to reach out to the Gentiles. He may have not known what it looked like, but remember he says in Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 3, referring to Ephesians 2, 14 and 15, that we become a new man. There's no wall of separation that we as Gentiles are one in Christ. So with that being said, don't let a preferred outcome in a mystery you're walking through be the prison of preference for yourself. In other words, things happen. We don't understand them. We don't know why. We don't know how long. But we do know that Jesus is Lord over us. He is Lord over our circumstance. And nothing can happen to us without it going through the hands of Jesus. And with that being said, you might be in the lowest place that you can possibly be, or you could be brokenhearted by a circumstance that has been thrusted upon you. He is close to the brokenhearted. He is close where you are the most beat down and broken. In the mysteries of why didn't God stop this, or why did God allow this person to die? Or why would a loving God, I want to encourage you, don't lay any charge at God's feet. God is perfect. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. There is nothing that God cannot work out. He is perfect. He has never made a wrong decision. He has never made a mistake. God never says, oops, there's no plan B. Right? You may feel like you're in the middle of a storm. God knows exactly where you are, and he knows how to lift you out of it. Imagine those at the cross that actually liked Jesus. Why would God allow this man to die on Calvary? Why? He didn't do anything wrong. The answer is so you and I wouldn't have to die for our sin, but we didn't see that back then. That's a mystery. These things are mysteries that further a testimony in a bigger mystery that you and I get to be part of. So don't let it stifle your progress in life or your happiness, or your joy in life. We need to stop to change our perspective and not look only at us, but look at us in light of the mission. If we're not careful, we will formulate an image of God based on what, on what he did not do in our lives. If, we, if God allows something in our life, we say, well, God's not loving, or God's not gracious, or not, God's not merciful. That's the devil trying to put that in your mind. See, we want good testimonies to further the gospel. We want the blessings, right? 
We want the number three with light mayo and curly fries type of Christianity. Where it always works out every time. We want to pick and choose what we want to display God's grace with. We want to pick our testimonies. Right? Or is that just me and my house? There's a mystery on how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Use your circumstance for a microphone and platform for the mission. We get a wrong perspective when things don't work out like we expect, and then we get a wrong view of the Lord of the mission. Am I right? See, we have no problem when the mystery works out in our favor, when we got the job that we shouldn't have gotten because we didn't have experience, but it worked out. Paul didn't say, when I get into a better area, when I get into a better place, then I will continue the mission. He didn't say my mission's out there somewhere. In his circumstance, he said, this is my mission. And he didn't say if it works out in my favor. See, many times circumstances will take you to a place that you never would have gone to, to reach people you would have never reached out to. Now, I'm sure when Paul, where he came from, he was religious royalty. I'm sure he never saw himself chained to a Gentile dog, as what they used to refer to Gentiles, preaching the gospel. See, what you and I suffer can be strength for others. Ephesians 3.13, the last verse in the text that we're reading. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul knew that the Ephesians would gain strength from his perseverance. You know, I'm sure... With my mom and dad battling, my dad battling cancer all those years, he would have never picked a cancer ward to share the gospel with the smell of saline and sickness everywhere. But that's where they went, and that's where they were the most effective. The flesh don't want to go to certain places, but when situations come and you minister in the midst of it, you can expect God to show up because your flesh is dead. Amen? Amen? God can turn your mystery into a message that only you can preach with unwavering power in faith. See, when you go through something, when you see someone going through something and they have a great attitude or they are trying to have a great attitude, it strengthens you. See, your life, you live your life by the inspiration that you received from Paul who was walking out the circumstances of the mystery And you get encouragement by the letters he wrote while he was in prison. His injustice shows us how to deal with our injustice. You know, I think about a great, a a, a great man of God that I, I, I listened to at a conference recently. And he was saying that his son was autistic and he went on to, he, they went on a vacation. And they were about five families and they were, you know, it was a big group of people and the son got lost. And so the dad, brokenhearted, just began to look for the son. He couldn't find him. The son was just wandering off somewhere. And so he went up to a security guard and, and the security guard was just propped against the wall and he had a gun on his hip. And he said, sir, you have to help me. I lost my son. I can't find him. He's autistic. He might freak out. I need you to help me, help me. And he said, Did you look the last place you left him? And he said he was so irritated by the guard's inactivity in looking for his son. He said, I wonder if God is irritated by our lack of involvement on looking for the souls that are lost because we're propped up against the wall and our drama are in our blessings. See, we get so bogged down in our situation, in our comforts. Think about that. Then he said, I would have been so aggravated if one of my kids would have ran up to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, where are we going to eat tonight? Good question, but wrong time. And I wonder how many times do we go to God while the world is falling down around us and we're like, God, I want this, I want that. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And then the man said, if God answered every one of your prayers, would it make you better or the world better? These are real questions that you and I must live out and come to terms with. Number two, we strive to gain insight in the mystery. 
Ephesians 3, 2, and 6 says, Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of the men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What Paul is saying is, I'm sure you've heard all the drama that has surrounded my life because of this message. Now, of all the people God could have chosen, he chose Paul. Think about this. No one else is going through this, God. How many times do we do that? God, why is this continue to happen? Why is this my lot in life? These dreams that I had, these things that I wanted to work out is not matching the life that I planned out for myself. See, you have a unique call or purpose. Your pain, your experience is sculpting your influence and testimony to give others perspective and answers. Remember, Paul was writing the book of Ephesians. He had no armor of God to refer to. He was walking out the armor of God as the Holy Spirit was telling him, and he was pinning it down so you and I would receive revelation. Stewardship means that what Paul got, he he released, he gave. See, the mystery was to be lived out to further the gospel. His persecution came for our benefit. Can I encourage you this morning? Live out your message. Live out your mystery. Be influential in the place that you already are. Stand up, rise up, get a backbone of steel and look at the devil, though all hell is breaking around around you and say, I will not be moved. I will not be destroyed. God is my father and he will fight this battle and I will link up with him by faith. But hell or high water, I will keep moving forward. I will not quit. I will not shrink back. And I'm going to take as many people to heaven with me. That should be the mentality every day of our life. Our mentality, mine as well. You know, things about these messages, you preach them to yourself. (laughs) And then you walk them out the week before or the week after. Amen? (laughs) You see, he was coming against the legalism of the Old Testament laws that were fulfilled in Christ, but Paul was given the application on how to apply it. And that's why you and I get to walk in the grace today. But he was coming against religious foolishness, leadership that was that was trying to heap law on top of law on top of people. Hell hath no fury like a Pharisee. And believe me, they're still walking this earth today. It's a shame because those things is what keep people out of, out of heaven. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, I don't go to church, us mean-spirited people. Let that not be. When we understand the grace of God and how it applies to our life, the last thing we should be is mean-spirited. Now, how many of you here have been through great trouble in your life? Let me see your hands. Great storms. Wow. If you don't have your hand up. Praise God. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. Those of you that are in here, have you been helped out by someone who went through what you went through in this church? Let me see your hand. See, the church is a hospital for the hurting, but a recruitment center for the army of the living God. We come to the pew and heal. We get our marching orders and we, we, We go into the communities. We go into the highways and byways. We go to the kitchen table. We go to the family. We go to the friends. We go to the job. And we compel them to come in that God's house would be full. Know this. There was a hidden plan and purpose that was hidden all these years, but yet revealed to Paul. So I want to encourage you. Strive for insight in the mystery you are in. See, we've been given life. We've been given freedom. We've been given an eternal home. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I am looking at royalty that will sit in heaven, ruling and reigning with Christ. 
You are not some trash in a ditch. You are royalty, which means you belong to God. You belong to Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We all need to think like it and act like it. We don't need to wake up hiding from the devil. We wake up and say, you know what? It does not matter. I am a child of the living God. All authority has been given unto me, and I will walk the the mission out all the days of my life. Amen. We are ambassadors. We don't get to change the message. We deliver the message that yet while we were sinners, Christ died, and he's come to give you eternal life, and the grace of God will lift you up to a place when you will stand seated with the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we will rule and reign. I don't know if you understand that, but that is amazing. <laughs> See, we, we work these truths into our life. That's the thing. Like, we take more time working a Rubik's Cube or a crossword puzzle. You have to preach these things to yourself. When you wake up and you look in the mirror and you look like death, before you put makeup on or brush your hair, you are still a child of God. You still have victory. (laughs) Amen. See, you must experience insight into God's goodness, but filter it through through the experience of God's goodness. In other words, you have God's goodness here, Everything that you go through goes through that. Don't take your experience and pile it on top of God's goodness. God is good. He has a purpose and a plan no matter where you are in whatever area of life you are. God is going to use that thing. There will not be one thing that slips through the crack. God will use it if you give it to him. See, our message needs to be lived out for strength for others. You know, I wonder if Paul was chained to the prisoners and he's sitting here and this prisoner looks over at him and maybe the prisoner would tell him, Paul, you can't even see me. Your eyes are swollen shut. You are full of cuts. Infection is all over your body. Is it worth it? I believe Paul would look at that prisoner and say, yes, it's worth it. The gospel is worth it. The grace of God is worth it. I used to be blind. Even though my eyes can't see right now, I see clearer than I've ever seen. You see, we are saved by grace to display grace. Everything that we receive from the Lord, we steward and deliver. And what is not understood or not embraced cannot be applied. If you don't understand who you are in in Christ, if you don't go to the benefits that the gospel says that we have, and you don't know them, you can't apply them. Let me ask you something. Do you know the gospel? Or do you just know it here? Or do you know it in your heart? Do we embrace it? In other words, when I read a passage of scripture, I say that is, that is my inheritance. That is my privilege. I can apply that to my life. I don't worry about when and where. I just say this is mine. And I want to encourage you, do the same thing. Do the same thing. Rise up and believe. I know it, it's, it's, it gets weary. I know. Trust me, I know. We get stumbled along in the paper cuts of Christianity. I know what those are. And I know the the times where it feels like you're being sawed in half. But I can assure you God is good in the midst of all of those things. He is great. He is all-powerful. He is gracious. He is merciful. So you need to preach that to yourself at home. Don't wait for Sunday or Wednesday. Monday. I don't know why this is happening, but God is my provider. God is my protector. God is my source. God is my healer. God is almighty. He is on the throne. He's not worried. He's not doing plan B. He's not having a meeting saying, what we're going to do, guys? He knows exactly. Like Brandon said, he is steadfast. He's immovable. He is seated on his throne. He sees you. He's not moving his eyes from you. And he is allowing things to happen to show you that he is gracious, mighty, and powerful. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those those things that feel like you are being crushed, God is closest to you. Open your eyes and see the glory of God in every situation. And you will get through each battle 
by, with flying colors. Not because the battle's working out like you want, because God's presence is with you. Number three, grace and unsearchable riches are in the mystery and should be believed, uh, believed and proclaimed. In other words, the grace of God should never get old. Look at what it says in Ephesians 3, 7 and 9. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. See, the gospel is a gift of grace. And I want to bring out the fact that this word minister is not referring to pastor. It's, it's where we get the word deacon or, or servant. In other words, we are all into this, in, in this situation. Listen, as carriers of the gospel, we have the great role in the Greek of setting the table is what that means. Someone who sets the table and waits on others. Listen, you know that there are waiters and waitresses that are in restaurants right now, and they are working, and they may have things going on on their life, but they're not against the wall. They're coming out and serving the tables. That's what Paul did. Paul was a servant no matter what was happening in, in, in his life. And listen, we have a serve day coming up, and what that is is we're able to set the table of the gospel for the community, so we encourage you to be a part of that. Paul's motivation was the grace of God that kept him going. Paul said, I am the least of these. In other words, I know that I, that I held this, the coats while they were stoning Stephen. I know that I was going door to door, threatening the, the children of God. I know all these things. I know that I am the least. But the, this grace kept him humble. Two things. Gr grace kept him humble because he always knew he was deflecting everything to Christ. He knew what he had been a part of. Remember, when he was a Pharisee, he thought he was the greatest thing on the face of the earth. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. So there was no, there was no humbleness there. But when he came to Christ, he was humble. Number two, he knew that the grace of God was needed to accomplish anything in Paul's life to be effective. Listen. Paul loved his salvation experience. In fact, in Acts, it's mentioned three times. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, where you're going through, don't lose the foot, your footing of the great promise of God that you are a child of his, that you get to spend eternity with him, that he loves you unconditionally, that he has forgiven you of your shortcomings. And, and though things may go awry or, or get worse here or there, you always can have your footing that the grace of God will carry you through because you are his child. And one day soon, you will soar through these clouds and stand in the very presence and power of God, and you will see with, with your eyes what you've only read about. Listen, no matter what you are going through, that is your destiny. That is your future. <laughs> sure. Listen, this is one of the greatest things. It never gets old. Listen, I only know me. <laughs> you know you. I deserve the full cup of wrath and seconds. And only you know what you've done. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus drank that full cup on the cross. So you and I would not have to. Listen, that grace fires me up to proclaim it. That The Bible says that love compels me. We are to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ, but we must know them. Ephesians 3, 8, 9, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring light for everyone who, what the plan of the mystery of the hidden and hidden ages in God who created all things. Do you know the riches of Christ that you now possess? Romans 2, 4, the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. Do you know that you have that? Do you know that we need that? Do you know others who need that? Now, let me ask you this. 
Romans 11, 13, riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Listen, I want to tell you something. The greatest thing God can give you is himself. Not a thing himself. When God says, hey, this is me. This is my aspect of me in your situation. You are getting the most precious thing that you could possibly receive on this side of heaven. Being rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, with great love. Riches of his glory, strengthened with power. Listen, you can be strengthened in your inner being deep down where pills cannot get to, where psychiatrists cannot reach. When you begin to get into the grace of God, it begins to bubble and wash all of those things out of our life. It does not matter the experience that you went through. It matters, but it does not matter that God's grace cannot overwhelm that thing and destroy it and crush it to face powder. I'm talking about a violent faith, a faith that says, I'm not moving, I'm believing, I'm trusting. Do we have that anymore? It breaks my heart because I feel like you're saying, I want to believe that. I want to believe that, but I'm not experiencing it, right? Listen, hold on a little longer. Keep going. Keep going. Listen, God's about to pour out his spirit. He's doing it all over the world. This will not be business as usual. This is not business as usual, I'm telling you. Not because I'm experiencing all kind of stuff. There's a stirring on the inside of me that is telling me, Kelly, keep going, believe harder, believe more, rise up, keep believing, keep going through. It does not matter what comes your way, move it out the way and go to the value which is Christ. First Timothy 6, 17 and 19, he richly provides us everything to enjoy, rich in good works, generous and ready to share. We serve a good God. We serve an all-powerful God. The riches of full assurance. Listen, the world is shaking, but we have assurance in Christ. That he will hold us, he will guide us, he will move us where we need to be. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. No matter if you're in the ditch, the pit, the mountaintop. If you get on the mountaintop, you'll get spalled. If you get in the ditch, you can get weary. No matter where you are, focus your affections and, and, and perception on Christ. No matter what I'm going through, God, this is what your word says. Though I don't feel like I'm delivered, this is what your word says. Though I don't see this situation changing, this is what you say about it. Believe that. Preach it to yourself. I'm telling you, fight for your faith. Don't let the devil push you around. Rise up. You have authority. God has given you all authority. God has Satan on a leash, and sometimes he'll let you walk him. Amen. Listen, I'm fully well know that when you get up and you start talking about the devil, he gets mad and he gets angry, right? And sometimes we shrink back from that. I want to encourage you. Rise up and say, no, this is what I believe. I'm not going to be pushed around by this sickness, by this circumstance, by my wayward child that is off. I believe that they're coming in. I'm calling them in. I'm going to believe it. I'm not moving. I'm not being shaken. I'm going to continue to walk in this mystery until the answer comes. My wife would call this a fussing message, but it's not. Now, remember, you cannot apply what you do not know. I want to encourage you, grab this holy book and devour it. Like the Bible says, eat the book. Because once you do that, your faith will begin to rise up on the inside of you. You will read it. You will say, wow, I didn't even know that was in there. And this is my inheritance. This is my privilege. And then you apply it. And though you see nothing change, you have the peace of God that will guard your heart and guard your mind in the midst of whatever it is that you are going through. I'm here to tell you today, church, rise up and believe God for more. Believe God for more.
Listen, the flesh will work against you. Trust me. The flesh will tell you that dude don't know what he's talking about. Look his life. And I would agree with you. But I'm telling you, I've made a decision that I'm not going to move in spite of things that have not gone the way I wanted them to go. It drives me and pushes me to go further and believe harder. Can I share that with you? Can you do the same thing? Because I believe the Bible says when you seek me, you will be found by me. That's the thing about a mystery. It keeps you searching. It keeps you moving everything. I got to find the answer. And there is Christ. And he shows himself mightily. His grace is there when you are looking. And you can just look at this situation, though nothing's changing. And you say, Jesus, as long as you are here, I'm telling you. That is what's going to get you through. And as you begin to dwell on him, dwell on his presence, dwell on his promises, I am telling you, you will rise and soar like wings of eagles. You might think I'm crazy, but I am telling you the truth. What's the application? What light can you bring out of your mystery to others? See, don't let, don't let things get wasted. Oh, I went through this situation, now I'm going here. I'm on. Take that and say, look, this is the value that I learned in this situation, and I'm here to share it with you, to get you to the other side. Amen. Point number four, there's a purpose and privilege in the mystery that goes beyond us. Ephesians 3, 10 through 11, it says, so that the church, the manifold wisdom of God, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, it's through the church that God's grace is displayed. It's through you and I that his grace is displayed on the job, on, at the workplace. We just talked about the mysteries of God. We talked about the mystery that Paul went through. And I'm here to tell you, you have mysteries, but you will per- persevere if you don't quit. If you don't quit, and I know we want this five-minute, ten-minute deal. We want it to last a day, a week, a month, or I don't know. I think I'm about to fall out. Sometimes you may walk through something for months, a year. You're being strengthened and empowered during that time. Then the Bible says it's a manifold wisdom of God. You know what that word means? It means variegated. It's, in the Greek, it's to talk about different color patterns coming together. You and I are different colors coming together, different experiences, two genders coming together to display the manifold wisdom of God. You are here going through something to get through it, to tell the person on the side of you, this is how you get through it. This is how God was faithful. And then on top of that, the church becomes strengthened, and then we go out these doors and do the same thing and display the same message and walk in the same grace. The Bible says to go and compel them to come in that my house may be full. The house is not full. This breaks my heart when I see this from from this view. It should be packed because the gospel is that good, but it's not. It's not. But if we say, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this spot. I'm feeling, not for the sake of going to do some good work, but saying, this thing is real. I've experienced it. I want this person to experience it. See, we need a revival fire that won't come from over here, over there. It's going to start with us. We're going to begin to rise up. We're going to be able to begin to see God. We're waiting for God to show up and answer some stuff to get us riled up. No, no. We make a decision, God, no matter what, no matter what this situation looks like, I'm pressing in, and your glory is going to be seen one way or the other. Amen? One way or the other. And you and I are also part of a cosmic sermon. That we speak in the angels in heaven here, and the fallen angels here, and demon spirits here. We have the authority of Jesus Christ. We have the power of his blood and the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can hurt you. God Almighty is on the throne, and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, moving you forward. I want to tell you something. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.12 that angels long to look on what we experience. Let me tell you what that means. Your life is the classroom for angels. In other words, angels are in heaven. They're in the glory of God. They're in luxury, worshiping God. Yet they look down and see you in the pit, see you in the mud, see you looking through hot tears and the smoke and fog of uncertainty. And you're still worshiping God. And they shut their mouths and say, wow, look at that. That is worship. They believe in, in, with sight. The Bible says, blessed are you when you don't see and yet still believe. Listen, angels, Jesus did not die for angels. And on civilization's worst day, man's inhumanity humanity to man, we cause each other fear, sorrow, hurt of all kinds. We destroy each other with our words. We do physical harm to each other. But we are still the most beautiful creation that God created. God still puts value on every human being that is more beautiful than all of the multitude of angels. I'm telling you that. Don't give up on the world. Don't give up on, on when you see the news. Say, that's a great opportunity for God to invade. Listen, revival is coming. The Bible says it. And he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy all these scriptures that we read and ho-hum past it because we're not seeing it. But I can assure you that is coming and it's right on the horizon. The question is, will you be part of it? Change your perspective. Change your perspective. Don't look at all these things and say it's hopeless. Rise up. Listen, the Bible talks about heavenly beings. Let's soar into the heavens and sit next to Bob the angel. This is the name I came up with. And think about this. An eternal perspective. These angels sit there and they see all of these things happening in life. You know, think about this. They saw God create Adam and Eve. He breathed into a handful of dust. And man became a living soul. But then... They saw a father, which is God, watch his children fall and hide and shrink in, 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 the, in the bushes. Imagine how God's heart broke. The angels saw that. But yet God in his sovereignty clothed them, which was a picture of what was to come. But Adam and Eve didn't know that. Imagine as they are being escorted out of God's presence with angels with flaming swords. I'm sure it broke God's heart for that expulsion. Don't think for one second that God took joy in that. And then the flood came. And as God's heart and sorrow was filled, knowing what, what needed to be done, they saw that. Then they saw God make Sarah laugh when he said you'd have a son. They saw him interact with God. And when they made covenant with Abraham. Then they saw him wrestle with Jacob and create Israel. And out of Israel came the Bible. Then they saw the father give a pep talk to his boy Moses at a burning bush. And that, what he told him, made him a great deliverer. Then they saw God part the Red Sea and allow his, his family to go through. As he closed it in on those that were trying to kill his children, they became fish food. And then at Mount Sinai, when God came down and gave Moses the law, and I'm sure Moses looked at that law and said, how can we keep that? It was a mystery. But yet Moses continued. Then the cloud by day and the fire by night came. Then he fed them miraculously. See, they, they saw these pictures. These are all pictures of what was to come. Then they saw him fight for David. They saw God himself come down in the glory when the temple was made. And no one could even stand in his presence. That day is coming again. God will invade this place. And we will see his glory. If we don't quit and don't waver. Then he saw the northern kingdom divided. He saw a family rift. But then he saw Elijah and said, Elijah, come up to my place. And took, took him up. Then he showed up in Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's fiery furnace. He showed up in Daniel's lion's den so you and I would see that God will show up in ours. Then they saw 
Jesus leave the throne to come to a stable. They saw God peel the heavens back just to tell Jesus he was proud of him. Think of that. Then for 40 days and 40 nights, the angels watched as he endured temptation after temptation and came and ministered to him when it was all all said and done. Then the angels saw him walk the shores of Galilee, heal blinded eyes, raise the dead to life. He saw him feed 5,000 as they saw God do in the Old Testament. They saw him walk on water and they saw him weep in the garden as they saw redemption taking place. Then at Calvary, they saw the, the tears of God flow down as his love was the ultimate display. Then they rolled, then they rolled the stone away. Remember when the, when the veil was ripped when Jesus died, that was God saying, it's been a while. Come on in. You are my children. And then you and I had Paul raised up so you and I could come into the gospel. Listen, every patriarch did not see each mystery playing out. They, now we can look back and see it. Likewise, you are going through some things that will testify to the, your family, to those that are to come. Angels look down and see you in your situation. They see your perseverance. They see you dancing before the Lord. They see you praying. You know, I, I look at my dad's situation. Now that it's all said and done, he died. He passed away. But I have never seen such courageous faith that empowers me today. To stand firm in his dying days and glorify Jesus. That helps me today when I'm having a bad day. And I think, man, it's, it's, it's bad. It's worse. Look at this story. Look what this person is going through. And I just begin to rise up and say, God, I've seen your miraculous power in my dad's life. And I am so proud of the, the, the legacy that he left for me. Listen. Embrace the not understanding in your mystery for the bigger mystery and the power of the gospel. Can we stand? See, you are here on this day, in this century, in this time. And you may be in front of a Red Sea right now. And there's a mystery. You don't know what's going to come out. Can I assure you... Stand firm and believe what the Bible says for you to believe in that situation. See, you have a choice and I have a choice to inspire, to glorify God and to persevere for Jesus' namesake, to keep trusting and keep going. Listen, the angels saw when you gave your life to Jesus and they wrote your name down in the book of life. They saw when it didn't work out like you wanted and, they, and you, they saw you crushed under the weight. But then they saw God catch every tear in the bottle. They, they saw as God and, and was sent by God to intervene in situations that could have destroyed you that you know nothing about. Those are also mysteries. You see, but they see you weep. They see you joy. They see you laugh. You know why? Because you have the joy of the Lord. You know what the greatest mystery of all of this is? I just went through the gospel in the Old Testament and New Testament. Notice God never quit. God will not quit. He will always continue to pursue you until your dying dying day. And I just want to say, just like angels with flaming swords escorted people out of the garden, there's coming a day at the great white throne judgment where these angels will do it again and escort people out of the presence of God and their hearts will break. God's hearts will break. But it's our job, our privilege to thin that number out. Can I encourage you? Don't stay sidelined in a mystery waiting for it to work out. Use that as fuel to continue on what God called you to do. Now, I just want to say before we close, you may be here today and you don't know Jesus. Your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. I want to give you an opportunity right now for the angels to write your name down. I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about right now. If you can say that all I know is religion, I have a thought about God, I'm not sure, but I want to know 
about God. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I just want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. This is the greatest decision you can make. Your eternity is changing. Right now, angels are writing your name down. Come on, I want the church to join in. I see your hand. I want the church to join in with me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I repent of every sin I've ever committed. I ask you, wash me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that God rose him from the dead on the third day. Now, Jesus, help me live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Give him a round of applause. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the front pew with a green strip. Fill it out. We want to pray for you. And also, we want to give you some tools that will help you in your journey. Now, listen, if you are here and you have a mystery in your life, you're in a situation, a circumstance, I want to see you lift your hands and we're going to join and pray for you. I see your hands all over the building. Father, we come in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I join my faith. The church of Jesus Christ joins their faith together and believe that you would make a way where there seems to be no way, that you would answer every mystery, that you would deliver your people, that you would rein them in, that you would empower them and equip them. We speak to every mountain that is in front of them and we cast it into the sea by faith. Lord, your word says when two agree touching anything on earth, it'll be done by you in heaven. God, we thank you for answering our prayers. God, we thank you that you are gracious majestic, all-powerful. God, we just take this moment to worship you, to honor you, and to thank you, God, for all you've done and all you will do. But most of all, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Give the the Lord a round of uh, praise. There you go. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Glory to God. Amen. Well, listen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you. If not, have a great 4th of July and enjoy your time this afternoon. God bless you. Bye-bye.